What's up? What's up? What's up? Podcast world. This life ain't for everybody. Back at you, Chad Belding. Thank you all so much for the support. Wild times right now. I know a lot of you are uh, quarantined like myself, but we're getting through it. We're supporting each other. We're taking care of our communities and we are excited for it to end. Who knows what that will be? Thank God we have partners like Jack Daniels, Lynchburg, Tennessee to get us through these hard times. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for for being a partner of ours for several years and supporting all of our outdoor lifestyles of hunting and fishing and conservation and being a provider. So enjoy it responsibly. Make sure that you take care of your community and take care of your friends and family by sharing a Jack Daniels with them. Again, enjoy it responsibly. We are so excited today because during this quarantine, one of the things that has helped get me through is all of the MMA that I get to watch the the older fights the 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 UFC when I feel was the golden age of the UFC which was in my opinion right around 2003 to 2009 my guest today is a a, a friend in a way we've met a couple times and I try to stay in touch with this man but he's world famous because he is arguably one of two fighters that brought the UFC where it is today. According to Dana White, the longtime president of the USC, and he was involved with selling the company a couple years ago with the Fertitta brothers, he is called the fight between Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner, the, the best fight of all time in UFC history. It put a UFC back on the map on their show, The 100 Greatest Fights of All Time. It was ranked number one. Today's guest is the one and only Forrest Griffin. How are you, my brother? What's up, my man? That was a hell of a radio intro there. Well done. A little bit of little. You've done this a couple times before. (laughs) Well, I get kind of nervous. You know, I had Hendo on here and I've had Couture and just like the guys that I look up to. I was never a fighter, but I just always, I I just always respect what you all have done because I spend a lot of time in gyms. And when I see guys that are just starting, you know, a a jujitsu training or judo or taekwondo or karate or MMA. Stop now, dude. I know. It gets worse before it gets better, man. It's a, but it's amazing the level of where you got in it, and it's uh, we're, we're going to get into it. But you know what I find interesting? I just got off of a podcast today with the starting center for the New England Patriots. His name's David Andrews. He's from University of Georgia. He was he 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 played for University of Georgia, and right. and. Okay. Um, you're from Georgia. You were a police officer in Georgia. You went to University of Georgia. Do you have a lot of pride with that being your alma mater? Um, you know, I, um, I mean, not not enough to donate, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a- Athens is a good town. Georgia's pretty good for me, so no complaints. Do you support their football program when they're in the running for the SEC title or going for the national championship sometimes? Well, I like to support their program, uh, you know, all the athletics, no matter what. So. So do you wear a bulldog sweatshirt when you go into the gym and roll? I mean, are are you wearing a Georgia hat once in a while? Uh, I got a couple somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, I had some recently I lost that I had like ones from when I was there. The, you know the t-shirts whatever but I've, I've lost those recently so oh well how prideful are you of the state as a whole i was talking to david today forrest about just the country music artists that have come out of georgia yeah. are you a country music fan and do you get into the zach browns and and the jason aldeans and the travis tritts that are georgia natives no so i didn't know any of those guys were from georgia Jason Aldean, yeah. I mean, not really. I I, uh, I don't listen to that much country music. 
a little. Metallica? No, man. I I, uh, I was big, real big into the Southern rap scene out of Georgia, ATL. Actually, I ended up working security um, at a lot of the bars and clubs and for a lot of those tours back when Crunk was the thing. I don't know if you remember that, but it, I was, do it was actually pretty fun. So that's when I was, you know, training and fighting, you know. So if you're a personal fighter, being a bouncer ain't the worst gig. No, heck no. And neither is hip hop. And you're, you know, if you're over 200 pounds, too. <laughs> you walk around at what, 215? Uh, no, I've never been 215. I'm down to about 222, which is the smallest I've been since 11th grade. And you fought at 205. Yeah, but I usually walked around about 2.30. I mean, about 2.30 is my kind of, if you have a set point theory, that would be my my weight, you know. Was it hard for you to get to 2.05 and maintain your strength? Especially, yeah, especially in the beginning when I didn't really know what I was doing. But later, I got a little more disciplined and I kind of got it together. So back to what you just said, is Lil Wayne one of the best rappers of all time? Because I just spent binge watching the evolution of rap in about 10 days. And yeah. I love I love Eminem. But Lil Wayne is on a different level than most rappers. Lil Wayne, I mean, he, to me, just the way he, he could have 30 quality, pretty good tracks in a matter of a week or two, you know? Like, I don't think he even tries that. He's truly a gifted dude. It's pretty funny, you know? I was joking. I was watching, um, I, I forget his, uh, I forget his stage name, his real name, but the, uh, the one guy, he's also from Atlanta. He had Lil, the show. Lil John? No, no, no. Lil John's awesome, too. Funny, I got a story about Lil John. I've met him, like, a bunch, apparently. And every time I met him, I said, hey, man, I worked security for you back in the day. He goes, I know, man. You told me that last time. I was like, oh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> like, and then this happened. Like, I was excited. See, I said, hey, man, are you sure? He said, I know, man. You told me that the last two times. I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, sorry. But, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, those guys are so talented. Meanwhile, I'm doing, like, those cameo things, and I'm, like, on try 37, and I'm like, oh, no, so I, can't, <laughs> I can't even leave a you know, message to somebody. Lil Wayne, man, I'm telling you, when he was with uh, – when he was coming up, you know, and they had they had those four yeah, rappers, yeah. and they were starting that record label. He was nobody, too, right? He was Dude, the little guy. He was, like, was 13. Like, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's 13 or 14 crazy. And then that the record label, when they started taking over Atlanta, you know, because there was master P yeah. and master Love P was Louisiana guy in the whole floor. Yeah. The whole, yeah, yeah. And then, and then this label starts up over with, with, with money and, and, uh, and Lil Wayne and these guys, and then they break off and do these solo careers and Lil Wayne just explodes, man. Like he comes yeah. out like on a different level where they're comparing him to like Eric B and Rackham and they're comparing him to, to Notorious and all these, you know, the greatest rappers. And it, it was, uh, that I, I learned a lot about those guys. And I also learned a lot about, and I have a huge, a lot more respect now for Nas. Were you a Nas guy, a Nas guy? You know, I didn't. He was a little before my time, and he was more, you know, intellectual. Like, that's not really what I'm looking for, right? <laughs> you know, I, I'm looking for, you know, I just, he, you know, I, I get that he was very good, but, but you know, it's the whole New York thing, too. I don't get that vibe. I couldn't relate, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, from the South, they were a lot about partying and getting in fights, and I was like, I like to party. I like to get in fights. This is great. <laughs> 
So when you started, you, you, you are a fighter in college and a fighter growing up, but then you get into law enforcement. So you, all of a sudden the fighter turns into the guy handcuffing guys for fighting. No, I started at the same time. So oh, I started my formal fight training. No, but I'm talking about were you a brawler and a fighter in high school and stuff and I always liked to get a little bit, but just a little bit? Yeah, but that was just because I had the unfortunate thing of being like one of the bigger guys. And people would be like, you know, your friends are talking smack and you're like, oh man, force the fight in my eye. We're gonna get in a fight, you know. I I would say I have a better professional record than I do street fighting record. Professionally, you're, uh, I'm going to say you're 19 and seven, 20 and seven. Does that sound right? Sure. You don't even care, right? You don't even keep track when you get to that point to where. No, just, I won more than I lost, you know, and then you get like, I get all like, well, I actually had a bunch more fights, you know, whatever. I got paid for them. That's all that matters. So how, how do you end up coming out of Georgia and, and getting a spot on the show? Because that is what kind of started the UFC fury, right? That's that, that put you on the map and it re-put the UFC back on the map. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I mean, I had dropped out of the, uh, I kind of like laid off on fighting. I was, I was a cop again. I'd quit. I quit my job as a cop for about two years to become a professional cage fighter. Uh, maybe three years, and I was like borderline, or two years, I was broke, homeless, you know, basically living on my coach's couch, and I was like, nah, this, it didn't work out for me, you know? So I went back, um, it, was a, it was a long story. I got a call from Joe Silva, matchmaker at the time, he said, don't lose a fight. I fought, I won, I broke my arm, though, and I was like, you can't work security if you got your arm in the cast. I literally cut the cast off to go do the physical for the police academy, got a job as a cop and was like, all right, I guess I'm done. I was training, you know, like I was training at the Augusta Boxing Club once or twice a week, and I was rolling with a group once or twice a week. Um, but they were all like 170, 165, you know? I was like 230, so it wasn't like... Little dudes. Even if they were, yeah, they were way better than me, but I would just throw them around, so... And then I just, I got that call. I was a last minute replacement. I had seven days, 17 days to decide if I wanted to do it. And then, uh, you know, where I was working, you couldn't come back or you weren't like a favorable rehire if you hadn't worked more than a year, you know, because they pay for some of your police academy, et cetera. And I was at like 11 months and 12 days or something. <laughs> so basically, if I left that job, I couldn't get it back. So you, you are now playing mind games with yourself of like, what should I do? Kind of, kind of like going back and forth of, yeah, is it yeah, worth, yeah. is it worth pursuing? Yeah. Well, you know, um, I mean, I, I went to the airport and I didn't get on the first flight to come out to Vegas and I was like trying to get on the phone with my old lieutenant and be like, Hey man, is there any way I can come back? I've made my mistake here. And, you know, I ended up talking to Dana White and he told me to get on the damn plane, basically. And then it was actually a, a producer named Amet. And then, you know, I was just talking to him, kind of like, you know, you're just talking. And I figured, like, I talked myself into it, basically, like, the, the thought being you would re rather regret the choices you make than the choices you don't make. And that's kind of, I, I decided that at that moment, and that's kind of something I stuck with. I left. Um, I had a lot of my cool cop belongings, a lot of my things in a storage unit that I never paid the bill for. So I lost all that stuff. So I was used to watch Storage Wars and be like, man, maybe they'll, maybe they'll have one in Augusta, Georgia. I could find my stuff. 
I don't want it. I just want to see who buys it. Yeah. Well, what's it worth? Wonder what they're going to bid on. Not much, man. Not much. So, how long is this phone call back to your lieutenant while you're at the airport before you start filming? Yeah, it's like five minutes. I'm like, hey, you know, sir, uh, do you still have that paperwork? Because there may be, you know. And he's like, yeah, yeah, son. Just let me know what you want me to do. You just got to decide today, you know. Okay, well, I'm getting on a plane, so it's going to be decided. So you fly from Augusta, Georgia, or Atlanta, somewhere in Georgia, and you fly to Las Vegas, Nevada, and you get off, and you never left. So what happens? Are you Do you start filming right away when you land for the Ultimate Fighter? No, that was funny. They, they locked you in a hotel for like three days because they didn't really have their stuff together, it felt like. So we're just sitting in a hotel, working out in the hotel room, um, you know, eating room service and i'm just like fattening up and they don't tell you like hey you guys are going to start practicing and what was the gym like i i it wasn't anywhere near what the ufc gyms are like now right no but it was i mean it was solid you know it was it was better than most of what i'd spent my time in so it wasn't the biggest but it was nice enough i mean there was only 10 or 12 of us training at any one time so and you go through this, you're filming. How real is the drama in the ultimate fighting through the years? You were a coach on there at one time against yeah. Rampage, right? Yeah. Is it is the drama real or do you do a lot of it for TV? Because like yeah. when Conor McGregor was the coach and all the stuff with him and McGregor and all that going down, I mean with him and Uriah and all that, it's pretty good drama. Well, yeah, but it, I mean, it was. They were just basically messing with each other, you know, because they would, they would not fight. They would never fight, but... Um, no, that's the thing about it is it happens. They just put you in a reality television. It has to happen. They just put you in a situation where it happens. There's no books, there's no TV, you know, there's no, there's no way to decompress from it. And are you, are you starting to be looked at and being taken serious with your size and the way that you're performing on these shows? I mean, obviously you had no idea what was getting ready to happen in your life, but are you being told by Joe or Dana that, Hey man, you, 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 you really got something special here at all? No, no. I mean, Cause you know, this is like when we're on the show, it's like Randy and shock. And you know, I was a late pick cause I was a knucklehead. And then, um, you know, that's why I did it really because I wanted to, to get to train with Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell. Um, I'll give you a funny story. Uh, the guy asked me, have I ever seen a reality show? Hey, baby. And uh, I was like, no, nah, I mean, I saw like the real world once, like the very first one. And um, he was like, yeah, it's like that, but with fighters, it was nothing like that. But they did have the fridge stocked with like Pop-Tarts and Diet Coke. I was like, it was like standard reality television food. And we were like, yeah, we, we got out better food than this. So I, I wonder how those people on reality TV stay so lean because they eat really crappy food. They do, huh? Well, like the Jersey Shore guys, they're all ripped up, man. Yeah, but they actually work out and try to eat eat right. I just mean like the random ones on, you know, just the <laughs> Are you, are you, uh, so you're, you're just this country guy from Georgia that listens to rap music. And now all of a sudden you're in the final with Stefan and, yeah. and you come back later on in your career and you guys met again, I remember, and you beat him yeah. by, you beat him in the like unanimous decision, I think back on it. But, yeah. but in that fight, you guys, it was a war and it, it it's been, you, you heard in the intro of what I said of what it's been called, but 
what what were you thinking after that fight? Did you have any idea that what you had just done and what was getting ready to happen, or did it just start snowballing right after that went down? Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm you know I don't really know how much awareness I had. You know, um, I mean I knew things got pretty good. I knew things were better. You know, I knew uh, I knew I just had to worry about becoming a better fighter, right? As opposed to like what am I going to do for money? How am I going to pay my bills? You know, any good tours coming through that I can get security gigs on. And you're in the right city for that. But you you start to develop skills to where you become a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Is that correct? Yeah, that was way later. But yeah. That, can you, that came way later. Did that come during your fighting career or after? Uh, during. During, yeah. So what what would you say was your specialty for the mainstay of your fighting career? Are you yeah, a ground and pound? No, I wasn't good at anything. I was, uh, you know, I'm a generalist, not a specialist, right? You know, jack of all trades, master of none. And one thing, because I was a weak wrestler, is I never, I never put fights kind of where I would have the advantage. You know, I, I fought a lot of times where other people kind of had the advantage, like in their realms, at their distance, etc. So, so what happens with you? professionally does does mask and everybody at tap out call you before the accident with mask and say Forrest, this is uh, this is skyscrape and mask we'd like to sit down with you and talk about an endorsement deal for you to wear a tap out do the endorsement deals start rolling in does dana white sit you down and go guys this is getting ready to get serious i mean Forrest and stefan just put us on the map and, and, and does it start right away to where you're the, no, the, none, of that. none, none of, that. of that huh you know me man i, w- I went with sprawl because i like the, the, the short and, uh, you know, I, I, no, I mean, no, you know, I had some years where, where you know, people would like go out to dinner with agents and people would be like, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, but it never materializes, you know? Never does, huh? Nah, so I mean, it, it's, it's a, that's its own job, you know? It's like we're talking about, I don't have any Instagram followers. I don't really, it's like a job, man. You got to like post stuff. I'm like, geez, so much work. <laughs> So what, before we get into some of the fights, what are you doing now? You're a full-time employee of the UFC, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, uh, you know, to, to guide the UFC performance Institute. Right. So I don't know how familiar you are, but they, uh, it's basically what it is, is, you know, every fighter's dream. Right. So I thought about when I was fighting all the things that I would have wanted physical therapy, it's, it's cage fighting. You're going to get hurt. Sports athletics. It's a crazy sport where you might cut 8% of your body weight the week of a fight and then put it back on the day before the fight, right? That's not, that doesn't happen in other sports. You know, you tell most dietitians this and they're like, well, that's crazy. Why would you do that? Just fight at a higher weight class. I'm like, eh, size matters. Arm length matters. These things matter a lot. So, you know, you've got that. You've got physical therapy. You've got a strength coach that actually understands how to train for MMA, right? you know, the aerobic system, anaerobic, what you're doing. And then you've got sports science, right? One of the biggest things that we didn't do well, I didn't do well specifically was recovery. I had a great session. What are you going to do? I'm going to go do another great session. No, you're not. Then you're going to start feeling bad. You know, you're going to detrain. And it's funny. I thought I had like a compromised immune system. And I used to, you know, and then I quit fighting and I was like, no, my immune system is fine. I was just too hard on my body the whole time for like an eight year period, <laughs> you know? 
And then if you think about just everything you could want, we've kind of tried to bring that, right? And then you got ahead of performance, right? So the most important thing and what I never did was I never kept it online, right? You show up, you go wrestle. Your wrestling coach, he wants you to go 100%. He wants the best out of you. You go grapple later that night. Your jits coach wants a hundred percent idea. Your strength coach wants that, you know. So there, nobody's really saying, "Hey, you know what? Today we got to take it easy. Today we don't." At least my coach had never talked, right? And that was my own fault. I, I tried to manage the equation. Um, it's a lot easier to use some technology and and use, you know, people at the performance institute to kind of gauge that and measure that for you. You know, it's a stupid. It's got a stupid name, but load management. It's it's pretty important. And so are you version of load management? Yes. Are you getting educated in all of these different areas during your tenure at UFC to where they put you in a position to overlook all of this at the performance center? No, no, no. So, I mean, I, I work, so it's cool the way we have it set up. You have all those disciplines are on the first floor and then the training space, mats, pads, uh, octagon, boxing ring, uh, bags, whatever. Second floor. So the way I, I kind of, what I kind of see my role as is to make sure that everything we do on the first floor, training, you know, diet, PT, makes you actually a better fighter in the cage, as opposed to just really fit. You know, uh, it's not a fitness competition. It's a what can you do in the actual fight competition. So we we just try to keep that kind of in line, right? And. How do you become, is this a member? To, do you have to be a UFC rostered athlete to be invited into the doors? Yeah, but it's welcome, you know, it's welcome to everybody in the UFC. If you're in the UFC, give me a call. You come to me with a problem. I got a guy with an answer. We get that done. So the fighters, the fighter, he fights out of New Mexico at Jackson's. He flies into Vegas and stays for a week and works with your different coaches. Or how long do they usually stay? That'd be perfect. Well, so there's no set period, but I tell you, it takes about two days to get um, to get like a full day of, you know, with travel to get full assessments, nutrition, strength, power conditioning, whatever, right? So they can do a full profile in three days, send you a plan based off your actual information, your testing data, et cetera, and then you can go home and follow that plan. So as far as the business model goes, is this offered as a benefit to a fighter or do they come out of pocket to get this service? There, there's no cost. We, we offset a lot of the cost with, uh, you know, partnerships. Uh, you know, yeah, they got a ton of great partnerships that we've done. So, and, and are you here? Are you there five days a week? Is this a full-time gig to where you're overseeing it or do you have to, are you there seven days a week? How's it working out? Yeah. It's like most of my waking hours. Really? Well, that's a job, right? That's everybody. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think about work is in the, you know, you're going to work a lot and hard. You want to make sure that you just, that the end result matches the effort you put into it, right? Yeah. Is it something to where you, and this might be too personal, but are you given with your tenure in the UFC and your commitment to the organization, are you offered a piece of the pie equity wise? And is that why you're putting so much, are you taking ownership of this place or are you just a valued employee? No, no, no. I, I mean, I just, you know, I was there at the outset at the, you know, at the beginning of the PI, right? So 
you know, it, it will always be partly my baby, you know, that it's cool. Um, you know, you can walk through and see things that are like, Oh, I wouldn't be there. You know, I, that's great. You know, and, and then again, you know, I have to say, I work with some great people. It's really true. I, uh, you know, it, it's a funny thing when you work with a lot of high level people, it really brings the best out of you. Like you bring, you have to pick your game up, you know, like you can't just kind of rock up and not have a plan. You know, if there's a meeting about something, you better do your homework on it. You better, you know, you better have some, some, you know, otherwise, man, these smart people are going to do it. And are you, is there anything that stands out right now that makes you think like, man, this place is really paid off. Can you give me an example of a particular specific athlete that we yes, might know? I can give you a lot of examples, but check this out. One of the things that, that is very important to me is that, so we've had over 80% of UFC fighters come through the Performance Institute. And you won't hear me say a thing about it because, you know, one, uh, sports dietitians and physical therapists, sports scientists, because of what they monitor, they're all actually co covered under the, you know, Healthcare Insurance Portability Act, whatever, HIPAA. So they can't say anything. And two, I want you to come in and do your testing. And unless you, I, I'll use, um, uh, who's, an, who's an example? Got it, uh, Dominic Reyes. He came in and he, he, had, he tested well. He was a college athlete. He tested well and was like, hey, these are my test scores. I'm like, oh, those are really good. But for the most part, like he made those public, right? For the most part, your injuries, your, your, your you know, weight loss, fat loss accomplishments, your strength, power numbers, those stay with you and you choose who you want to share them with, right? And, and that's one of the things that, that outworried me the most is like, well, I'm going to go in there and then they're going to tell, you know, whoever's matchmaking that I'm not as strong as I, as people think I am. And then I'm going to get put in a bad fight, you know? So we, we just ensure that there's no way for that to happen. Right. So a lot of times like me and, and the VP of operations, we talk to the rest of the UFC. We don't know those numbers specifically. Right. We, I can't tell you. So, it works out better. I just know people come to me and they say, hey, I've got a problem. And I introduce them to the guy or gal that can solve that problem. That's pretty cool. So you can go in there from anything from a, from a, a torn hamstring to wanting to be, become more flexible to, to actually becoming a better technician to, to get in better shape, foul, everything. Yeah, everything. I mean, you know, you think about and, – and that's one of my favorite uses is actually one fighters come off a loss. And they say, you know what, man? My my weight descent plan was garbage. I didn't follow the diet. I, give me a real diet. I, I I just ran out of gas in that second, third round. Help me out. Hey, man, that's what we're here for. We can help you do better for sure, right? Does the PI, the Performance Institute, offer if a guy comes off a loss or a girl comes off a loss, is there psychological stuff that can be taking place there to help them mentally get through that part of their fighting career? So there, there is. We... Um, so because of that sensitivity, there is, but we kind of refer it out, right? So again, that's information. I can refer you to someone, but I never know that information. Mm. How a lot of UFC fighters or mixed martial artists, like when I mentioned your record, you're just like, ah, one more than I lost. Um, did they ever hurt when, when, when you like, you won some big fights and you lost some other fights, you where you had a staph infection one time and you, that, that fight with Machida couldn't move on. Did that mentally, you, huh? That was over in England too. That one, thank goodness. 
<laughs> I do you, you just have this happy go lucky who gives a shit kind of attitude. That's what the way you've always come off to me. Did it mess with you mentally when you would lose or or when it oh, would? Yeah. That's funny. We were talking, I was watching uh it was a great um uh, if you got UFC fight pass, they're called Fight Lore. And they had uh, you know Nick Diaz or yeah, Nick Diaz and um oh my god, I forget his name, but I'm, I'm all over the place. I've been on a hard day of work. And anyway, Joe Riggs, Joe Jesus Riggs. Right. And they talked about their fight in the, the ER, you know. And I always liked fighting people that I didn't hate because it was less if – I, if I lose to somebody and they're an all right guy, it is what it is. But if you lose to somebody and you just hate them, it's not even that you lost to them. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I don't want to lose that guy. He'll have that over me forever. I can't stand that guy, you know? So, yeah. How, how do you, how do you base your feelings or your opinion for us, Griffin on that of like, I had this, I've had, I've asked Couture this, I've asked Hendo this, the walkouts today, the choreography, the, 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 the WWE um, stage antics and the, you know, the drama and all of it. You would walk out and you just, you'd almost run out. Uh, Matt Hughes would walk out to Country Boy Can Survive. Couture would walk out and it, it, there was none of that. It was just about the fight. Like, I see you in there and we're going. Chuck's walkouts were pretty cool, though, you know? Huh? Chuck's walkouts were pretty cool. Tito would ham it up, you know? He'd have a, he had a flag. Walk. He had a flag in the beanie, I guess. Jason Miller had to come on some great walkouts. Yeah. Throwing throwing dollar bills out, you know, running through, wearing a psycho. Uh, the one guy came out on the uh, Hannibal Lecter thing with the face mask. Yeah. What about, her. what about the face mask that freaking Dante Wilder said that helped him lose that fight to Fury? Oh, yeah. <laughs> said it was like 40 pounds. Yeah. Well, so none of that gets to you when you see the, what makes you disrespect a fighter then or not like a guy? Does he have to shit talk oh, you no. and, and, and try to belittle you? I fast forward past that, if I'm being honest. I only now started watching the walkouts because the announcers do a real good job of giving you that that background information. And I like to kind of hear what song they like. I just find it interesting. Like, well, they're coming after that song, huh? Okay. It's an interesting choice. Give me one fight in your career that you wish you had it back. What's the one you wish you had back the most? So many, man. There's all, all, almost all the ones I lost, man. Seriously, I... I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's fights against Jeremy Horn. We knocked me out back in the day, you know, just thinking about how poorly I prepared for that fight. Okay. Well, I ain't going to make you mad, but if I, if I'm going to ask you about one fight that I've always wondered about. And I, and I, uh, I, it was your interview, like after the Jardine fight and how bad that you were hurt. Oh, yeah. What, what was it significant about that? That just tore you up after it was just, you knew you were a better fighter than this guy. And were you prepared for that yeah, fight? I certainly, no, no, I like Keith and I certainly didn't know that I was a better fighter than him. I just, for that was a tough one because I had a good camp. I was in a good place. I was in the room and I was like, you know, it was one of the few times I was like healthy. I'm confident. You know, I was just, you know, I was on my game. And then, you know, so losing sucks. But losing when you're like, yeah, man, I was I was lucky I even made it to the fight. And then when you lose, the other time that happened is the loss of Shogun. And for me, that was, I mean, that was, you know, soul-searching because I had, that was the first time in years that I've been healthy, but I was as healthy as I was ever going to get. I had my shit together. Um, I did everything right. 
and I got knocked the fuck out. And then it's like, man, shit. Guess I guess I got to go um, start uh, cleaning the houses or something. Did he catch you? You just you just didn't see it coming, or what? What did he just set you up right with it? I don't know. You can't remember. No. So so I nobody wasn't, I wasn't there. getting punched in the face is not fun. Punching punching somebody in the face, it's yeah. It's, so that, that's something I'm always careful to tell people. And I say, man, somebody could just kick you in the head. That's not the kind of mentality people that fight in UFC have. The kind of mentality that people fight for a living have is, I get to punch someone in the face. I get to kick you in the liver. You know, you not think all people. Yeah, of course, but who cares? You get to kick them too. It's even better. So do you, are you are you proud of the fact that you were a prize fighter and a shoot fighter and a cage fighter like you were? Or you wish that, would you tell somebody, yeah, get into this. It's a great living. It's a great way to make a living. No, I would definitely wouldn't say it's a great make, way to make a living. You know, I would because you never know, right? Like uh, like I said in the beginning, quit now, kid. Or, you know, I see guys walk in the gym, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, you'll be a millionaire in two years. Really? Yeah, you know? No, what I, what, I, what I'll tell you is like, man, if you love doing a thing, you should do that thing. You know, if you don't love it, man, you're just in the wrong business. Right. You know, unless you're just truly, truly talented, you start wrestling when you're six and now you're like, oh, I just happen to be really good. Otherwise, don't do it unless you love it, right? Did you absolutely love it and just die for it every day, man? You'd love training. Did you love it at all? Oh, I don't know, man. I, I'm certain I did. I mean, I fought for a hundred of dollars. I fought for free. Like loser doesn't get paid. My first four fights, only the winner got paid. You know, so it's truly a prize fight. There's a hundred bucks, 150 bucks. When you get the 150 bucks, lose, you get nothing. Wow. Unbelievable. And were you being coached at that time as a fighter? Oh, yeah. you, or, or were oh, you yeah, just yeah. on your own? Yeah. And I was coached by some of my best friends and, the hardcore gym or Athens first fitness now. Yeah. So some of my best friends coached me, um, you know, to this day, like lifelong friends, you know, I, we went through good times and bad and I slept on their, their living room floor on a mattress that one of them had when he was single and used to, we used to joke about that mattress. It's in a lot more action than I ever would, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, um, Yeah. I just can't, I can't imagine like if you, if you have that kind of a career, like you, you, you won't like, you won't even talk about it kind of like you are one of the guys that are responsible for the, the boom of the UFC. Does that mean anything to you, Forrest? No, not really. I mean, yeah, think about it though. You know, I don't know. I, I mean, you talk to, to Dan and Randy, do they really want to sit and talk their fights or fight? You know, I like talking fighting, but I don't really like to talk about my fighting. That's over. That's done. I'm not worried about it. Like, as far as the guys fighting today, I love it. I'm passionate about it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going back and trying to watch. I started at the beginning of uh, Contender Season 1, and I want to watch through those again. I'm trying to go back and start watching the LFAs. You know, I never watched those, and then I realized, you know, if you think about, I forget, there's two shows. The other one's out of Philly, but they're, they're putting so many people in the UFC. Dang it, Paul Felder fought in it. I forget. But, yeah, now I'm trying to go back and watch those shows and, you know, let's find the next UFC stars. That's that's more exciting than the past, right? For me, I watch fights like Randy Couture versus Vitor Belfort. That's a huge fight for me because that's the first fight I ever watched and said, I want to do that. Like, I bet I could do that. I want to do that. You know what I'm saying? That was... 
I saw that in like ninety. Oh, that's cool. That's cool information. I want to go back and watch it because I just read up on it yesterday yeah. and I remember it. Okay, so let's talk about the UFC, the the car, the cards, the the roster, the Sugar Shane, M- Sugar Shane MMA, yeah. marijuana, Afro, like creative as hell with his social media, and he knocks people the f out. Is he a badass? He's the real deal. I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, I, I like him. I've got to meet him. I really like him. Um, and you know, if if I if I if I don't mention I like him or don't like him, I never say anything bad about a UFC fighter. Just say nothing at all, like your mama said. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, but he's a great guy. Um, but I didn't know. I didn't know. And now I'm starting to okay, okay. His last fight, you're like, wow, like, he's on a different level now. He, he's got he a lot did- of fun. Did he come out of the contender series? He did, right? Yeah, yeah. Or Dana White looking for a fight? Yeah, it was the contender series. I think he came out of one of them. It was contender. Okay. Um, if you if you're, are you allowed to talk about the skill level of John Jones? Do you ever talk about how good he is and how it's gone so weird in that career of that man when he literally could have been one of the greatest ever looked at. And it seems like he's not a pay-per-view draw. He might not have a res- the respect of a lot of the fighters because of the antics. I don't know if that's even safe to say, but it, as far as pure talent, is he like, I mean, he's as good as they get, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So here's the thing. He could still be the best ever, you know? I mean, you think about his fights with Gustafsson and DC those are great, great fights. Fights where he overcame adversity. And then you think about the beginning of his career, running through Shogun, put a beating on Rashad. This is when Shogun and Rashad were in their prime. Quentin Jackson, Vitor, he just started demolishing two Ch- of Ch- Choked out Bader in like a round and a half. Bader, yeah, yeah. I was on that car. Yeah, beat Bader like that. That was, you know, and just like, man, and then I remember him getting the shot. For the title after UFC 126, after he'd beaten Bader. And, and you know, the rest of us are sitting there thinking, yeah, damn, my kid's going to be good. I remember the first I met him one time where I've met him a few times, but I was, I was on a uh, feeding a homeless shelter in San Diego through the network on a hunt fish feed program where we were feeding a bunch of, he was homeless. was (laughs) I was at, I was at the UFC had a a fight that night or a a small venue fight that night. And uh, he was on it. It was before, you know, before he got, had a name and he was in the hot tub with me and he was sitting there with a couple of his guys and he was just the nicest, most polite guy and had a conversation. And, um, yeah, he seems I love he's just really unorthodox. What a, are you a fan of and I don't care personally, but are you a fan of Nate Diaz and what he does with the UFC? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he, I mean I've gotten to train with Nate and Nick. Well, not really Nate too much, but Nick a little bit back in the day. Man, I yeah, I like those guys a lot. Man. Like I said, you gotta watch that fight lore thing. Fight lore thing. It's pretty it's pretty good with Nick. And then I saw a clip. You know, so I was, I'm friends with Gray Maynard, so I was trying to follow the show when he was on it. And I saw a clip of Nate on there who ended up, you know, winning the show. And I was like, man, that kid was such a character back then, you know? Yeah. He's a, I don't know, man. I just, I, I can't figure it out. Like that last fight of, for the BMF. Yeah. That that dude, he's, I know Mossyval's a, a a bad SOB. I mean, he's an awesome fighter, right? He come out of the, the backyard stuff kind of like yeah. in Miami, right? Um, 
I just can't figure out Nate. Like, should they have called that fight? He's always bleeding. He's got to build up a cartilage where he bleeds. He's, I just couldn't tell what was going on. Let me tell you why they should have called that fight. One, he was just getting beaten. Yeah, we know he's Nate Diaz. We know he's come back. We saw the first counter fight um, and the second counter fight, really. But we, they, I'm glad they called it. And this is obviously looking back because Jorge had a position where he was kind of like could maybe go for the kill and he stopped circled back and you know went back to the center he every time he'd get in trouble he'd kind of reset and go back to the center like okay like he wasn't gonna fall into the blow his load trap and then get finished you know he was gonna just pick him apart for the next 10 minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes yeah you know what i'm saying like oh, he yeah. wasn't he wasn't going to fall into the trap. You could tell he knew, hey, all I got to do is keep touching this kid and move. You know, if the knockout comes, it comes. But he wasn't, like, trying to, like, overly blow his load, shoot his wad, you know, and then, uh, you know. Yeah, I kind of I, – I, I agree with you 100%. I just wish – I just wish that there would be just one, you know, just one – fight that where it always looks like his fight should be called because he's always bleeding so profusely and it just yeah. i could never tell i mean i'm not a, i'm not as educated in fighting as you are but you just can never tell like because at any minute he could get him in a clinch and choke him out it seems and he always is bleeding so you could just never tell if the ref's making the right decision or not uh, but yeah. but nate was yeah, getting touched up yeah it's less the blood more like the body movement right so facial wounds bleed but it's you know, it's just kind of underlying when you're not really, your coordination is off and your body's not moving well. That's that's more of an indicator than just blood. But really, you know, facial lacerations are pretty easy to fix. So, and, and the other thing I'll tell you is, it's always safer call. You call that fight, Nate Diaz says, that's BS. I could have kept fighting. He goes in confident. His fans, he doesn't have to lose face. Um, Maybe, maybe you let that keep going on. He takes a solid beating, and he does end up getting called later. And then maybe his chin's not the same. He's a guy that can't fight without the chin. He takes punishment. If he loses his chin, he's fighting for his own. And then where's his confidence then, right? So it's always better to call the fight. Like when the fight gets called and you can see the guy scream, like, no, no. That's when you know, like, that guy's going to go into his next fight. That guy or gal is going to go into their next fight ready to go, as opposed to, you know, limping into it man that last fight um have you watched the the ronda rousey you said her just now but ronda rousey documentary on netflix called through her dad's eyes through her father's no. eyes no i haven't very impressed with it I, I sat down last week and finally watched it and i said i just gained a whole bunch more respect for her because it's a lot of behind the scenes footage of her early days and her judo and her mom and her her training into mma and when she was on smaller venues and smaller organizations and um and how she got there. I mean, it's pretty cool freaking story. And, and, yeah. and, and Dana White's in there saying that women will never fight in the UFC on ESPN and then how it all turned around and yeah. kind of a, kind of a really cool, a and really cool a story. Years where she was the biggest star in the UFC. If you know, not in all the women's athletics, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, she was the Simone Biles of MMA for a bit there, but, um, she a good person. Yeah. You like, do you like Rhonda? Oh, I like her a lot, man. I like her a lot. She's, she's, I, I never liked her before I met her. And, and it was literally just the face she would make before she was fighting people. And I was like, 
what's your problem? It's a fight. Calm down, lady. Jeez. You know? So, I rode I rode to a strike force fight. I was cornering somebody. We rode, we rode. I think she was maybe she was already pretty big at the time. And I was just like, man, you know, she was so like amped up. She was like, you didn't she made you anxious just being around her. I was like, get me away from this. I like, I was like, man, can we take a different bus or something? Like, <laughs> you gotta ride over there to the venue with her. Like, she she's a psycho right now. I don't need, you know, like fighting for three more hours, lady. Calm down, you know. <laughs> but you know, you you never like everybody prepares mentally different, right? Yeah. So I'd just be sitting there like an idiot right up until, you know. But what happened with that last fight with Stylebender and Romero? And I know that every fight's not going to go the way the fans want yeah. it, but with with all the buildup, his wrestling background, Stylebender's choreographed dancing, coming out to the ring, he's the b- t- title holder. What does that make an ins- What does that make a company guy like you say? Like, what the hell are you guys doing in there, or is it just part of the game? No, man, that's part of the game. Man, I've been there too, but I'm, we, uh, you know, you, you what's you're going to see. It's tough, man, especially at heavyweight, too. You see heavyweights dance around, not really do much. One wrong move, and you're like, hey, what happened? You don't want to be the one to make – it's hard to break the ice and be the first one to really go, right? And I really respect guys like a Frankie Edgar that do that. Michael Bisbang always did that. Like, even when it was not in his best interest, he was like, well, I'm going to go make the dance happen, right? But a lot of times against a guy like Romero and um, Israel – you mess up once, that's fight's over. You know, look at Machida. Machida tried to get bold and actually start fighting Romero. All of a sudden, he's down and, you know, smashed out and, you know, messed up for a couple months, you know? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So it's just, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not one usually to criticize people, especially people who can beat me up so easily. Let's talk about a guy that might be our mutual friends. He's my friend. I don't know how much you know Chad Mendez, but I miss watching Chad oh, yeah, Money. Yeah. I miss watching Money fight. And he retired too early, but to each their own. Um, he had like four to five, six fights left on his UFC contract, and he just stepped away from the game. And he's a hunter for a living now, and a, he's a stud human being. Would you do you respect that when a fighter does that? I mean, I'm not talking personally, but how does how does the company look at it? Like, well, whatever, man. You know, we're going to move on. You're oh. going to move on, kind of attitude. So let me. I mean, I don't know the company. I'm not the company, but I tell you personally, I've got some strong opinions on it. If you don't want to be in a fight, you should probably not be in a fight, man. If you don't want to do it, it's the worst thing for it. It's, I mean, it's a good way to get hurt. You know, it's like. Uh, yeah, man, you know, I don't know how well I packed this shoot. I don't feel confident in it, but I guess I got to jump. It's like, no, nah, man, you don't. You don't have to jump. You can quit doing this right now. You can go home. You can do any other job. Do anything else you're qualified to do, but you don't. I mean, nobody's making you do this. People do it because they want to get money. They want to get famous, and it's fun. He was you know? fantastic to watch fight, man. Actually, I don't want to say that. Everybody's got their own reasons. Um, but, you know, yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the last thing you want is people that don't want to be fighting, fighting. McGregor Mendez, Vegas. Mendez takes the fight on 10 days' notice. He's drinking a beer in the ocean, catching tuna when he gets the phone call from Silva. What no, were your? No, he wasn't. Is that what he said? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. 
I remember clearly uh, we were doing a promotional thing for like a, a like a shoot house, not like real shooting, but like you know one of those like you know like cool glorified paintball zombie things. And that's when he got the call because then I pulled him out, and it was like uh, you know I got like a strange call. Hey, this Chapman business there with you and i was like yeah and they were like hey can you get him to the thing and i was like uh sure like bring him to the office and i was like okay and i didn't even know to tell him and then so we sent him off to the office that's what it was and that fight takes place did you think that mendez had it after the i mean did you think he was going to do that he did to connor that first round of youth there was a chance it was going to be called in that first round with the ground and pound i thought no I, I thought Connor was Connor was bleeding good, but he was still pretty chipper under there. Um, I thought he just, you know, I thought it was a really good fight actually. They both came out with the, they had like the dueling bands come out. It was good. Man, that was good. That was really fun. That fight. That was, that was a good night. It was good. And the whole event that night was really good. How important is Connor McGregor to the the organization right now with the the Irish fans, and how good is he? Of a mixed martial artist. Oh, he's, I mean, he's really good. He's again, like talking about. I kept, I kept waiting for him to kind of like catch a bad break or something to happen. And then after he beat Poirier, I was like, nope, he's the deal. I should shut up now. He's, you know, because I, I felt like, you know, I felt like he was just doing. Uh, he was crushing people mentally before the fights, you know. Like Dennis uh, Seaver, like, you know, it was just like picking on the day of weigh-ins and Seaver had no comeback. It was just like, it's like, ooh. I felt that the fight with Cowboy was over before it started by reading Cowboy's body language at the weigh-in and his interviews. He's just like, I'm just happy to be here kind of attitude. And I was like. I hated it. I hated hearing some of the stuff he said about to that like i'm happy to be here i couldn't handle it either and i love him i think he's a freaking stud i mean i don't know him but he he's just such a, a good fighter in, in a lot of ways and i mean he got destroyed that night didn't he you know again though that's connor's genius right what does cowboy do right cowboy needs to you know get a little going before he can get going so he's you know it would have been a great fight. i would i, I would have liked to see that fight had Connor like backed off for 20 seconds or not gotten gotten the finish so emphatically, you know? Even after he landed that head kick, you could tell uh, Cowboy was trying to get back into the rhythm, like trying to figure it out, and then just too much, you know? So Were you, were you there live? Um, I was. I was there in the building, but I was watching it on the TV. <laughs> do, you, do you go to every Vegas card, being an um, employee of the UFC, are you in every one of them? Sometimes it depends. Do you, you do you love being at them? Oh yeah, I like I like it. it's pretty fun. I'm I'm really man. I tell you, I sound like a brat when I said this, but if I'm there, I want to be like down in the little thing. Otherwise, I'm just like I'm cool. I watch it in the back room with the other fighters and just watch on the TV. What about walking around Vegas where it's kind of the home of MMA now? It's it's kind of like Japan was with Pride. It's the home yeah. of you it's the home of M- mixed martial arts in America. Can you yeah. walk ar- can you walk around well, public says, you know the UFC was the first home team, you know, obviously the Golden Knights are doing great and hopefully we'll get some other teams 
But uh, yeah, Raiders. Yeah, got them. Boom. Can you do you like walking around Vegas? Are you recognized all over the place because it is a big fight town, and you're a big face yeah. of the UFC? Is it hard to get around? Do you like being out in public? No, it's not. It's not. It's not hard to get around anywhere. The only time I meet anything like that is is funny. It's like if I'm going somewhere for a fight, and that's because everybody's thinking about fighting. And I'll, uh, it's kind of in their head, and they're like, oh, "I just saw that commercial. Hey, didn't that guy used to You know. So. No regrets in the fighting career. I don't think you have any. You're just not a regretful kind of person. You come off as that. Do you have any? What are you even talking about, man? I have all the regrets. You do? I mean, I have so many regrets. Yeah. I, would, I got all the regrets. I would change everything, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Is that, I mean, is that your policy in life? You don't have any regrets. Heck no. I'm just saying, yep. like, you just seem so happy-go-lucky. You, you seem no. so happy-go-lucky, like, take it or kind of leave it attitude. But I think maybe down deep you do think, like, man, I wish I had a few of them back. Oh, I wish I had, I wish I had the ones I won back so I could do better in those, man. Yeah, no. I, so the people are like, you never seem scared or nervous. I'm like, man, you don't understand me. I, I am so scared and nervous. But I'm, like, scared when I just fly a plane. I'm, like, nervous if, like, I'm going too fast in traffic. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, when you're afraid all the time, <laughs> then, like, just now you're afraid of a fight. It's not as big of a deal. When you're always worried. Yeah, I'm actually quite the worry. It's ironic. What With your kids? I saw your daughter walk in. You worry yeah. sick about your kids? Um, yeah. Fortunately, she's a homebody like me, so... I don't have to worry too much. I mean, she does gymnastics, but she's pretty good at it, so she probably won't hurt herself. Yeah, sometimes I look at wives and kids at their at their daddy's fight or vice versa. Did you experience no, that? You got married after, or would they have come, you think, if you were married with kids at the time? My wife, no, my wife came to some fights, but but I didn't, like, see her on fight day or anything. Like, I didn't know she was there or anything. You know, I put her, you know, I had her with a friend or something I trusted. She went to a lot of my fights, actually. Um. I was with her pretty much my whole fight career. So, yeah, she went to a lot of my fights, but it wasn't like, you know, to me, fighting was kind of like a boys' night out thing. You know, it was like I didn't I didn't want to even um, entertain that side of myself. You know, I'm a different person in my house with my family, you know? Sure. This is not, this is not a guy that's going to be in fist fights. <laughs> but but what, with, with, with you saying, Forrest, that you do have regrets and you want those fights back, even the wins to do better and perform better on your on your good nights, why didn't you fight longer? Why aren't you fighting into your 40s? Like, in, Why aren't you coming out of retirement well, like a lot of fighters do because they miss oh, it no, so much? No. Yeah, no, I blew my shoulders out, man. Hundred, like just blew your rotator cuff and your labrums out and they just fall out of socket, lethal weapon oh. style? No, no, no. So I had that before the first Shogun fight. My shoulder came out like 30 times, and then I got it tightened in so tight. Yeah, no, I can't. I mean, I got to brush my teeth with my left hand. I'll, I'll get a shoulder replaced in the next couple of years. And then, um, so that was going on my whole fight career, and then I blew my knee, knee out pretty bad, and I've had a couple surgeries on that. Yeah, I'm seven orthopedic surgeries deep, so I just, I mean, what's, what's the point? You know, and I was already losing my chin. I have no power because I have no right hands. And then, you know, I was like, all right, well, I can still kick people. Maybe I'll work. I'm pretty flexible. I can kick people in the head. And then you blow your knee out. You're like, I got no weapons. That's good. Cool. I got no weapons and no ability to take a, a shot. You know, when I try to wrestle people, my shoulder locks up. So, 
was just, you know, trust me, I had no intention of quitting. I, I, I was one of those people that was like, I got three more fights. Two fights later, I got three more fights. Three or four more fights. Three or four, you know, I always had, and it would just always be rolling. And I was just like, yeah, like two more years, like two more years. Let me just, you know, build up my nest egg and do a little longer, you know? And then, uh, yeah. You're- and the, the other thing um, is I pulled out of 50% of my fights the last four years of my career. So Just that's from bad camps and, and getting injured in camp or something. Injuries, man. Well, I mean, there weren't even the camp's fault. It was just injuries, you know. That's like, well, what's the point? You can't. And then I always something I really respect about guys is guys and gals. If you're gonna say a thing and show up on a date, show up on that date, make weight and fight. You know, think about, you know, like I said, the Machida fight, Phil Davis, um, Little Nog. I pulled out all those fights, you know. It's like, man, at some point, it's like, you look bad. Like, you're just not going to fight. You're just scared. What's your deal? It's like, nah, I'm not banged up. Well, then quit. Okay, you're right. I should quit. Well, then quit. So what about the, I don't know if I'm, if you're, you're a company, man. I don't know if you can even give me your opinion on this. When when the Reebok deal is signed and, and, and fighters that I grew up watching or in the heyday, I mean, they'd have our ammo companies on their shorts and a gun sponsor and they had what they wanted. When it went 100% this way, what yeah, was your... So I had a silencer sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah, only, you were you were in that day. You were fighting in that day where your shorts were full of your own. You're making income as a fighter. You're making income from your partners. Was this bad for the game overall? I know it's a business decision, but did no, you I, did it affect you at all? It, it had to happen. It was you know the dude wipes and the Jesus didn't happen. It was just uniformity. It makes a professional sport look better. Now don't get me wrong. Though the heydays were cool, but we're talking about the future and moving forward. You know the other thing the people always kind of. Other than the top maybe 10 or 15 UFC fighters, people were not making all that much money. I mean, I saw it happen with just with me and my friends. You know, the days of making $80,000 for shorts and shout outs was just over. You know, it was just like, you know, people were realizing that was not a good investment of their money. And then if you think about it, what's that company really trying to do? Well, they're really trying to get in the UFC, is what they're trying to do. They're trying to, you know, get through you just to basically be in something that 800,000 people are going to watch. Makes total sense. All right, couple fours questions. I truly appreciate your time, and I hope we get to do this again. I know you're going to want to come out duck hunting with me or shooting a shotgun one of these times with me and Hendo and some of the guys. I'd love it. It's been a while. I do like duck hunting. All right. Um, um, you just plan on flying from Vegas to Sacramento this fall, and I'll handle it. for Once you hit the ground, you'll have nothing to worry about. That sounds pretty good, man. I promise you, I'll bring you right to the lodge. It's going to be outstanding. You look like you're staying fit. I'm staying. I, I know scared. that you're not in fight shape because that's a totally different level. Oh, yeah. Are you still dedicated aesthetically? Is it a health deal? If you're going to be in the fight game and walk into that performance center, you got to take it serious and look good. So are you watching your diet and working out a bunch for us? Yeah, and that, you're true. That, that, that stuff, I, mean, I wish I could be bigger, have a bigger neck and bigger arms, but just not in the cards for me anymore with no shoulders. Um, you can't show up and look like a fat body and then tell people how to live their lives. Do you know what I'm saying? You can't be out. like Basically, I'm telling people how to be more fit, more athletic, how to win fights. 
you know, that people have to be able to take it kind of seriously for, for whether it's true or not, you know. It's just that you have to look. I mean, again, like I said, not in fight shape, but I don't wanna I don't have a heart attack. If if the strip is open, which I'm I'm hoping that it is soon, because that's just weird to even think on that level. And and you and the wife have a babysitter. Where does Forrest take Miss Griffin on a, a Vegas date night? That's a great question. It's been a while. Um, last couple times we've gone out, it's been a function, but we usually try to avoid the strip, man. Again, very old and boring. Yeah. Where, <laughs> where do you go on the strip? Um, I've been spending I, – I, I, I go way down. I'm usually down at the Treasure Island Inn down there, by, and we usually stay in the Venetian and the Palazzo. And so I spend a lot of time at Sushi Samba. I spend a lot of time at Tao. Um, right. I, I like the I like the I, I like to cruise over to Hard Rock and, and have the uh, the sushi there once in a while. You know, uh, I've been there a couple no times. Good. No booze, awesome. Yeah, they're, they're right. Yeah, no booze, great. My wife so, used to work uh, at the Hard Rock. I used to go there all the time. It was great. So on this date night, and you being you having the mindset that you do is is being in shape all the time. Do you and your wife share a bottle of wine? Do you enjoy an adult beverage every once in a while? Oh, I I, I enjoy adult beverages all the time, but you know I'm pretty good about never enjoying more than three or four. So, has the quarantine? Have you found yourself during the quarantine finding an excuse to drink more so at home than you would on a normal week? No, but I snack more than I've ever snacked before. I don't know why. I just don't know why, man. It's just like, like right now, I mean, we're about to wrap this up. I'm about to go in the kitchen and get something. It's not dinner time. So I'm what are you going to get? Like, right, like I, this is, I, like, I just yeah. had a, I just had a kale, avocado, apple, uh, and a uh, green drink. And I, wow. and I, and we have nice. a part, we have a partner called Jack Lynx and they have a new. Oh, yeah. They have a new refrigerated section snacks out called Cold Craft. It's forced, and these are the bomb of cheese and Colby cheddar with some Genoa salami in it. No, no starches, no carbs, and I'm talking like just awesome. So that's what I've been snacking on a bunch. Yeah, so I it's funny. I actually when I at work I'll eat the P3s. You know, very similar concept, right? Meat, you know, meat, veggies, and nuts. Uh, nuts. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I'm feeling some nuts. I'm going to go with some nuts. I got some almonds. Call my name. I just had a conference call today on some almonds. I'm going to send, uh, text me your address. I'm going to have some uh, really, really nice California almonds sent to you from from my buddy Rocky Merlo. He's a, a big a big nut farmer in Chico, and I'll have a, a couple nice little displays sent to you. That's what I'm talking about. I will. I will. Thank text you, me your address, and I'll have them shipped right away. I'll, I'll email it to you because you don't have an iPhone, do you? Yeah, I do. I can't text you. I don't know why. What are you talking about? We text today or yesterday. So, yeah, but, but like, so you can do iMessage, right? Even if, um, it's all, all blue and gray. Yeah. But it's, that's when I leave my house. Like I resend all my texts. We'll go through a bike ride and I resend all my texts. My, usually my house phone or my, my cell phone works at my house but you know it's never it's never come through green it's always come through i messages huh? oh okay i don't know like last night oh. you, or on saturday i said you get that and you said got it and then yesterday i said i'll talk to you tomorrow you said yes sir there you go all right You're coming through all right well, man, congratulations on the uh, Performance Center. I hope it continues to grow and thrive. I hope that you... Institute. Performance Center was actually the title I thought of. And you know what the Performance Center is? 
That's it's a, the WWE thing down in Florida. In Florida, that's what it is, huh? And I just watched that co- that documentary on it. I just on watched. What? I just watched the. Um, it's called Beyond the Mat, and it's a. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are good, man. I don't it, even like wrestling, but I like. I'm more like the drama, like the real drama associated with the. Have lifestyle. you seen that? Yeah. Have you seen that on Terry Funk yeah. and Jake the Snake? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Jake oh, the yeah. Snake is a. Me- he was a mess. Uh let me tell you about demons, son. Yeah, that's what he said. Everyone, all your friends around you are dying. And your only thought is that you're sad it's not you. That's demons, son. Mm. <laughs> I was like, holy Christmas. Rest <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the documentary guy goes, and as soon as when I, when, I, when I met up with Jake that night, he was smoking crack right after he left the meeting with his daughter. And I'm like... What dude? That guy used to own the crowd, and he's wrestling in front of like nine people in Kearney, Nebraska that night. Yeah. It was it's a, it a crazy crack. story. Crack. For crack, man. The other one that I watched a couple weeks ago is this this deal on 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 the media, and I'll let you go after this for us. It was it was Hulk Hogan's sex tape trial, and oh, you, really? yeah, and I was blown away by it, dude. Like, like it was like that really happened. Hulk Hogan, the Hulk Hogan, the Hulkamaniacs. He is literally up there in the in the witness stand saying this stuff, and you're just like, you've got to be kidding me. What his life became after that reality show, man. Rough, yeah, that sounds rough. He's still doing all right, though. Oh, I love Hulkster, man. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what's the Smashing Machine? No. Oh man, go out and watch Smashing Machine. Netflix. Uh, no, I think, I don't know where it was. Amazon? What is it? Is it, is it MMA? Uh, yeah, it's Mark Kerr. It's primarily about Mark Kerr and, um, some, some Hammer House guys with Boss Rudens in a little bit. It's good. It's good. Is, last thing I'm going to ask you, is Fight Pass worth the money? And will I find myself getting too addicted if I do get it? Because I have not pulled the trigger on, on a membership yet. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't lie to you. I think you're the exact type of person that needs fight pass. Just just from the conversation we've had, you're a man that needs fight pass for sure. I think you'd you dig it. I, I mean, I watch it every day, but I consider it like so I only watch like an hour of TV a day, but I don't consider that watching TV. That's work. That's work. That's like, research. Like, Why do you get to watch TV? I'm like, baby, I'm working. Leave me alone. I'm working. <laughs> Man, I appreciate it, brother. We'll do it again, and I'll uh, uh, send me your address, and I will get those nuts on the way. Sure, so well. Thank I can't you, wait to duck hunt, man. I appreciate you, Forrest. That's Forrest Griffin, UFC, the UFC Performance Institute in Las Vegas, Nevada. What a great podcast. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you, Jack Daniels. Please enjoy it responsibly. Tom, hit that button. This is our main man, Leith Lofton. What you going to do when the money's all gone? I'd rather be pulling off in a hole, Life on earth won't last too long So what you gonna do when the money's all gone Tell me now